Okay, good morning to Good Moed. Today's Daf is Daf Tes. Um, today's Daf Shkolim Daf Tes. Today's Shuzli Ilunishmas Ben Sion Ben Zeev Avram Alevi. I'm going to go from a little bit before the bottom of Tes, of Ches Amud Beis. Um, interestingly enough, yesterday's Daf had a lot to do with uh, Arba Kosos. I don't know if you got to do yesterday's Daf. But second uh, Yomtov was a lot of halachas to do with the Arba Koisa, so we just missed that uh, preparation. Should have, uh, we should have been doing Hachana, be a little bit of a head. Okay, but let's start. So just Omar Bichanin, we carry on to discuss a revius, because that, that came up. So Omar Bichanin, look at our Raisa, the biblical log. I, when you see log and revius, how much uh, revius would be a quarter of log. So how much is that? Tumunisa Atika. It's the old Tumunisa. Tumunisa is like the, the word that they had for that measure, that they used to measure out uh, this fish dish. Rabbi Yoyna says, I remember in Rabbi Yana's house, they used to actually measure honey with it. Okay, so that it was the standard measure to use either for this fish dish or for honey, but that's what we're referring to. That's a revius. It says, And a Braisa taught that what's a revius? It's this half shminis measure of Tiberias. This old, sorry, the old half measure of Tiberias. I'm at the top of Tessam with Aleph. It says, says, That's our. It's the exact same as our half shminis measure of Tiberias. Of begin to have Well, if it's current, it's the same measure that Rabbi Yochanan has. Why is it called the old measure? If I refer, if I tell you you're the old liter, it means that it used to be and now it's changed. But according to Rabbi Yochanan, the shminis that he has, the half shminis, is the exact same. As the Tiberius Shminis that well that was, um, which is equal to a Revius. So Isada Omri the Havisi Rav. So no, some say it was smaller and then they re increased the size. But Isda Omri, some say it was much bigger, desire to below a zero, and then they shrunk it a little bit. Kama the Havis till it used to be what it was. I In the times, basically what it's saying is that this measurement has changed size a few times. I, when they refer to this um, Shminis or this Chatsi Shminis, it's changed a few times. In the times of the Tana, this half Shminis was, was different, either a little bit bigger or a little bit, a bit smaller, a bit bigger. So therefore he refers to the old Shminis measure as what was the same. But subsequently, till in the times of Rabbi Yochanan, it was actually the exact same as the old old Shminis measure, and that's what Rabbi Yochanan is saying. But that's why he could refer to it, um, that's why it's called the old measure, by the Tana. Next point, Kamahu Shushul Kois, how big is the shear of a cup? I, how much is a revius? Because remember a cup. A cost for one and for the four cups of wine has to hold a revius. Rabbi Yossi, for the four brachas, Rabbi Yossi, B'Shem Rabbi Yossi, Ben Pazi, Rabbi Yossi, Barab, Barbebi, B'Shem Rabbi Shmuel, Etz Boimal, Etz Boimal, Rom, Etz Bo Mechza, B'Shlish Etzba. It's two fingers by two fingers with the height of two fingers. 
and a half and a third of a finger. And we had this in Sochem quite recently. Remember, it's two by two fingers by 2.7 fingers. So if you measure a square with a heart of 2.7 fingers, that's how much, that's the area that holds Erevius. And this is partially where, if you looked earlier on in the Sukhya, where we come into this uh, confusion of how big is Erevius, um, etc. But let's go on. Now we're going to ask, um, how we came on to this whole discussion of the size of a revius and these halachas to do with the costs of the, the one of the of the four cups of wine, etc. Was all we initially started with how much wine do you have to carry to be chayv on Shabbos? Remember, to be liable to transgress carrying on Shabbos, you have to have carried a minimum amount. So, what's the minimum amount? And that we mentioned was the amount of wine necessary to dilute, to make a revius, which is basically a quarter of, of a revius. That's what we said so far. Now the Moses says, Tony, Yavesh, Kazais, Divrei, Rebbe Nosson. Rebbe Nosson says, if it's congealed wine, you transgress carrying it if it's just the Kazais. Rabbon, in the case, sorry, but Rebbe Yossi, Barbevi, B'Shem Shmuel, Aisya, the Rebbe Nosson, Kerebi Shimon. They said this teaching of Rebbe Nosson is actually like Rebbe Shimon. Kamad the Rabbi Shimon Omar, just as Rabbi Shimon said, Berevius, just as Rabbi Shimon said, Berevius, all liquids you only liable for carrying on Shabbos if it is a full Revius. Came on Rabbi Nosson, Berevius, Lekashe, Yikresh, Yehei Bokazais. So to Rabbi Nosson says, with the Revius, when it congeals, it is a Kazais. I, unlike what I just said, I said, according to the first Tana, which we've been learning after here, how much wine do you have to carry to transgress carrying on Shabbos? What's the minimum significant amount? The amount, a quarter of a vias, the amount that you would dilute. Remember, they used to always dilute their wine to have a full revius. Whereas Rabbi Shimon says, no, it's always a revius. And a revius. And if the revius would congeal, if you have wine that congeals, that would, a revius would equal a kazayas. So therefore, Rabbi Nosson is saying that if, if you had a kazayas of congealed wine, that's the significant amount of wine. That was a revius. And therefore, you'd be chav or carry on Shabbos. Rabbi Shimon, Meshem, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Rabbi Shimon says in the name of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, we're now going to a new but related topic of, to do with this congealed uh, measure. Um, just keep in mind that if you have a, conge- a liquid measure of a revius and it congeals, it will go down to the size of a kazais. It says, There was a, a case where one of Rebi's mules died and they said it's damis tohor from Nevela. Now we know a Nevela itself, the flesh of a Nevela, transmits tumor, the size of a kazais. However, the blood, there's a discussion. Does the blood of an Avela... So I just want to stop this thing before it interferes with me. Um, um, does this blood of the mule transmit tumor like the flesh? Or does blood of a mule not transmit to him at all? It's actually Tahar. So Rebbe said it was Tahar. Vashar al 
Rabbi Eliezer is Rabbi Simon at Kama Velo Eshkach Bay. Rabbi Eliezer asked Rabbi Simon, how much blood did they say was Tahar? Was Tomei? I Was it specifically because it was less than a revius of Dam and that's why it was Tahar? But if it was more than a revius, it would be Tomei? Or was it because no matter how large a shear it was, the blood of an Avela does not transmit Tuma? Vishal Rabbi Yeshua ben Leiz. And Rabbi Simon ignored him. Vishal Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. So he asked Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. And he said, up until Revius, Tahar would be Tahar. Yosem Revius, Tomei, more than a Revius is Tomei. What do we see? That the blood of an Avela, if it's a Revius, a blood of an Avela, if it's a Revius, it does transmit Tumah. If it's less than a Revius, it does not transmit Tumah. But we also answered our question, by the way, that the blood of an availer does make something tome. And now we can, but based on the previous piece that we just said, I'm a few lines into uh, Tess Amud Aleph. Um, based on the fact that, um, why would it be a revere? Because remember, as we just learned, if you have a revere of liquid measure and it congeals, it will congeal into the size of a kazayas. So just as a kazais of novella transmits tumor, less than a kazais would not, so to a revius of liquid blood of a novella transmits tumor, because if it would congeal to be like the flesh, then it would tran- then it would be a kazais. Rav baby, have a um Ubaj Larabilazer, although and Rebeleza was actually very upset that Rebbe Simon didn't answer his question. Remember, we said Rebeleza asked Rebbe Simon and he ignored him. So he asked Rebbe Shua ben Levi. I don't know, it, it inserts that line, but it doesn't say anything else. Maybe we'll see later on why. It says, Rebbe have a Masni Hadin was giving over this teaching of the story, again, of the mule that Rebbe, of Rebbe that died, and they said the blood is Tahar. Amalei Rebbe Bar, it's, I don't know, Rebbe Yitzhak Bar Bishna, Ad, Revius Tahar, Yosemikan Tomei, is it because a Revius is Tahar, but more than that would be Tomei? I was asking the question we just asked. This that Rebbe, this that they said in Rebbe's house, this blood of this mule, the blood of the Nevela is Tahar, is it because blood of the Nevela is Tahar, or was it specifically because it was a Revius or less? I does... We can rephrase the question, does the blood of an availer transmit tumor at all? Or only or or it does, but only when it's revered. So it's Uvad Bay, and he literally he kicked him. Seems he basically uh, brushed him off. He didn't answer him. Again, this was Rebutzak um Rebutzak Babisna asked Rebi Ravavi. So it's Amalai Rebiz Rebizrika begin the Shalloch. At Boypay. What? Someone asks you a question and you kick them. You dismiss them. So Amalei begins the law. Have his dirty. He says, No, I didn't mean to kick him. My mind was distracted or unsettled. So that's why I kicked him. That's why I dismissed him. As Rabbi Khanan explained, the Possect says, When the Possect says, Your life will be in, in your mind, your wife will be hanging in the balance. This is someone who has to buy wheat from year to year. He's wealthy, but he doesn't have his own field. So each year he has to go and buy enough wheat for the year. 
relatively stable because that's how much wheat he buys. And once he's bought his wheat, he's got enough for the whole year. But it's still a bit nerve-wracking. Will he have enough money to buy wheat the next year? What does it mean? And someone will be in fear day and night. This is someone who buys from the merchants. He buys a small quantity, but it lasts him for a week or a few weeks. But he has to stress day and night, will he have enough money to, to always buy this grain? And you won't believe that you will stay alive. This is someone who lives from loaf of bread to loaf of bread. He buys from the baker. He has to stress, will he have enough money? He says, and I rely on the baker. I am very distracted by my financial troubles. We know how distracting that can be. Um, will he have enough? Will he meet that? Will he make it to the end of the month? Or there, he will, will he make it to the end of today? Will he make it till tomorrow to have enough money to buy bread? He says, and that's why when he asked me the question, I dismissed him. It wasn't out of, I wasn't being malicious. I was just distracted. My mind was unsettled. It was elsewhere. Okay, but that's, so that's why I ignored him. But we have this Mahu Katain. So what is the Halacha? So hey, Rabbi Shua ben Pesura, I'll dam the Vela Shehu Tor. Rabbi Shua ben Pesura testified that the blood is Tor. My Mahu Tor. But wait, what does Tor mean? Tor Melahachshir? Maybe it's Tor from making other food items susceptible. Remember, food has to be made susceptible to Tumah. And we know blood, generally blood is considered one of those liquids that can make produce susceptible to tumor or food. So, tohor milaha, maybe that's what it means. When it says blood of an availer is tohor, it can't make other things. Abhesher, aval tamus mitame. But, to make other things tome, it can make things tome. I just like an availer. A, 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 a kazai from the availer can't make other food, other things susceptible to tumor, but it can make other things that are susceptible tome. I mean, if someone touches a kazais on the veil, they become tome. If you have uh, fruit, you have an apple that was never ever wet, and it touches the veil, it doesn't become susceptible to tumor. So maybe the blood of an veil is the exact same as the veil, and and so that's what they, the Gomorrah is asking now. So Taman Tanina, no, we learned over there. Dama Sheretz Kibisra, Tomei Ve'enu Kishmachshir Ve'en Lonu Kiyotzebo. We say the blood of a Sheretz, one of those creepy crawly animals, rodents and certain reptile or something like that. Um, their blood is like their flesh. They transmit tumor, but they do not make things susceptible to tumor. And we have nothing similar to this. Oh, we have nothing similar to this. Oh, it seems that the blood of a Sheretz is the only thing that transmits. Tumor, but the only blood that would transmit tumor, but would not make things susceptible to tumor. So the Gemara says, no, not necessarily. Kashur tumaso. It's the amount that makes things tome. That's what's different about a sheretz. How much blood of a sheretz, how much blood do you need from a sheretz to transmit tumor? Just the lentil size, because the blood is like the flesh. Amazingly, if you had a lentil size of sheretz, it would transmit tumor. If you have a lentil size of blood from a sheretz, it would also transmit tumor. That's what's unique by Hashemet. Um, but the blood of an avela, that would transmit tumor like its flesh.
Right? So what's again what's unique about a sheretz is that it even a lentil size transmits tumor, but not in regards to being that it's dumb can is the only thing that can be metame but does not uh, make things susceptible to tumor. Now. The issue, we have one more point to just clarify, which will make things a bit clearer. So what do we said? Dam of Novella transmits tumor um, in a revius. Why did we say revius? Again, the reason we would say that the blood of Novella transmits tumor is because we're saying it's like the flesh. If we say the blood of the Novella is like the flesh of Novella, well, the flesh of Novella transmits as a kazayas, the blood of an avela should also transmit as a kazayas. Why do we say the blood only transmits tumor if it's the size of a revius? Not a kazayas. So the, the one explanation given is that, no, because firstly, as we mentioned, why we got onto this topic is because a revius, when it congeals, it goes to, it shrinks to a kazayas. So that's why we end up, that's why we say a revius, because it will be a kazayas. And it's only transmits tumor to rabbonin. And therefore the rabbis were lenient, and they said, when would you confuse, when would you get mixed up between the blood and the flesh? Only when it's congealed. And that's when they made the xeris. So when it's congealed, it's a kazais. So the blood of sheriffs only transmits tumor as a kazais. Again, unlike a sheriff, which even a lentil size of blood, the exact same as a lentil size of flesh, would transmit tumor. It's actually a machloikis between two amorayim, whether the blood of an avela transmits tumor at all or not. One says it's tumor and one says it's tahor. The one who says it's tumor holds like Rabbi Yehuda, and the one who says it's tahor holds like Rabbi Yehuda ben Pesura. I, this teaching of Rabbi Yossi is arguing on the initial way of Rabbi Yoshua ben Pesura because we said earlier that Rabbi Yoshua ben Pesura said it's 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 tahar up until the size of a revius or, or from a revius but from a revius onwards or just over a revius would be tome and we say no Rabbi Yoshua says it's completely tahar Amalei <coughs> Rav Avduma the man Chusa the Yeus the Rebbe Yehuda Muraina the Venusia Have. This is actually makes a lot of sense because Rebbe Yehuda was the poisek of the Venusia Have. I Rebbe Yehuda was the poisek of the Venusia, and remember this whole discussion was featured around. What the Nasi, what what happened in Rebbe in Rebbe's house that the mule died. And they said the blood is tahor. And Rabbi Yehuda rules it's tahor up until it's the revius. Once it's larger than a revius and it's tomei. So it makes sense that that's how Rabbi Yehuda holds. And it makes sense that how is how you learn the story of the house of Rabbi. Because they would have followed the psak of their, their poisek, Rabbi um, Yehuda. Okay, now the Mishnah, it was a fascinating Mishnah. It, was, it gave a whole lot of rules and remember, we, what we're learning about Shkolim, and we said three times a year, they would go into the Beis HaMikdash, into that Lishka, into the chamber where the shekels had been collected, and he would collect three basketfuls of Shkolim to go buy the communal offerings. Again, until the 
next time that they would withdraw from that chamber. Now, the person who going in, there were all restrictions in that Mishnah. He wasn't allowed to have hems in his clothes, um, etc. A whole list of things so that no one would suspect him of stealing any of the any of the coins. Because, the, I mean, and, and it phrases as, in case he becomes poor, people say, oh, why is he poor? Because he must have stolen, he must have snuck some coins in his inside, in the inside of his jacket pocket or in the hems of his garments. He stole, and that's why he went poor. Or if he became rich, people would suspect him and say he's rich because he stole from the shkolim that he was collect, that he was supposed to withdraw from. So he had to do a whole lot of these strict requirements so that no one suspected him of stealing. Tony Rebushmol covets... Someone with long, Rabbi Shmuel said, someone with long hair is not allowed to do this trumets, take the shkolim from the chamber again, because people suspect him of hiding coins, might suspect him of hiding coins in his hair. Tony, I can borrow him how you bekilin. The, if he was wearing, I guess, a thick woolen jer- jersey or something like that, the gizborim would separate the strands of wool so that you could see that there was no money hidden inside of them. Tony medabrim hoyu imom They would speak with him from the time that he would go into the thing until the time that he would come out. Allah would be talking to him the whole time so that he never had a chance to hide money in his mouth. Start to speak funny like that. So the, the Gomorrah asks another solution. Instead of having to speak to him from the moment he steps into the chamber till he gets out, how are you doing? Have you finished yet? Are you managing, you know, keeping up the conversation? Why didn't they just be male pume mar? My, why don't they just fill his mouth with more water? I take a sip of water, hold that water in your mouth, and walk in and walk out. And then you'll know that he never stole anything. So every time no, they meet bracha. The concern is because of the bracha. What bracha? So very interesting. There's a response of the Chacham Tzvi, where he says the concern is that you might, the, the, he brings a commentary, the Yofay Mare, he says that the concern is you might swallow the water, and you need to say a bracha on the water. I say he's going to put this water in his mouth with no intent to swallow it, because he has to hold this water in his mouth the whole time that he's collecting the coins so that no one suspects him of having put it in his mouth. But if he accidentally swallows it, well then he's got enjoyment, Without saying a brach, without saying a she'akol. So he should have said, so therefore we don't make him put water because of, of, of that bracha. The Yavetz, um, the Chacham Tzvi, sorry, that's his, um, the Yavetz is the Chacham Tzvi's son. But the Chacham Tzvi says his two, he has two issues with that. Firstly, say a brach on a piece of chocolate, say a brach on a glass of Coke. Have in mind that if you swallow this water, that you go to... Uh, that you're going to. Uh, you can say a bracha or on something else. And then if you end up swallowing the water, you would have already said a bracha. And the second thing is, there's an interesting halacha, I don't know if you know this. We only say a bracha on water if you're drinking because you're thirsty. If you're drinking for another reason, to take medicine or for here, you're drinking because you just, you're not planning on drinking, you just want to hold the water in your mouth, you would not say a bracha she'akol on it. It's an interesting question. These people who are insistent that they have a quota of water to get through, uh, whatever it is, two liters a day, and they're not at all thirsty, they're just drinking it because they believe, because that's their health practice, is to drink two liters of water a day. They probably don't say a broch on the water. Okay? You only say a broch on water when you're quenching your thirst. So that's, again, okay, it's not like other drinks, juice, cold drink, etc. You enjoy it anyway. 
because of its flavor. But water, we don't say that. So he, so the Yahweh says it can't be. And that's what most of the commentaries I saw that I looked at said, what's the reason? What bracha? The bracha that he says on taking the truma. Asher kirishanu, vanu. Let me just get the exact one. Yeah, I'll have truma on separating the truma. He's doing the mitzvah of taking the truma from the lishka, separating the coins. He has to say a If his mouth is full with water, another halacha, if your mouth is full with food or water, you can't say a brocha. That's, that's the whole problem. What happens if you put food in your mouth and you realize you haven't said a brocha? So first prize, if you can, if it's the sort of food you can, take it out your mouth, say the brocha and put it back in your mouth. If it's like a small thing and you can't spit it out your mouth, because either it's gross or something, then you put it on the side of your mouth and you say the brocha. If it's a liquid or something, or or it's very well chewed, and now it would be really unpleasant to put, switch it out your mouth, okay, then you swallow it and say brocha before your next mouthful. But again, that's why you can't have the water in its mouth, and then say the brocha on our froshes truma. Okay, Rabbi, let's carry on. Rabbi Shmuel ben Achmeni b'shem Rabbi Yonasan, he said, we find in the Torah that a person needs to appear justified and needs to appear innocent in the eyes of people just as he has to appear innocent in the eyes of Hashem. It's not good enough to say, Hashem knows I'm good even if people think what you're doing is bad. People also have to think what know and think what you're doing is good. But Torah is not mean I read. We see this in the Torah. This is as the Post-Success. You must be viewed as innocent in the eyes of Hashem and Yisrael. This is, this is the post that the Mishnah brought. This is the source that, again, it's not good enough. But yeah, let's just see this. Of the Nevi'im Dersiv. Um, where do we find Minayin? Where do we find in the Nevi'im that you also have to be viewed as innocent? The Siv as it's written, Kel Elohim Hashem Vagomar, the Almighty Hashem Lord God, etc. of Yisrael who Yoda, the Yisrael will also know. And they'll also know that I'm good. Where do we see this concept in Suvim? The Siv as the Possek says, You will you'll find favor and good wisdom in the eyes of Hashem and man. Gamliel Zuga Shal Rebi Yosi Brebi Bun. Gamliel Zuga Ash Rebi Yosi Brebi Bun. Ezu Hama Chaver Shabakulam. Which of those psukim is the clearest, clearest and Omer Lai? We send the Kim Hashem Yisrael, the posseh that we brought from Chumash, that you must be clean and innocent in the eyes of Hashem and Yisrael. I, yeah, we'll come back to that. What's the weakness with the other psukim? So the weakness with the pasuk of um, from Yehoshua is that there they were the, the concern. They built an altar and they were suspected of avodah zarah. So maybe when it's very severe avodahs, you need to appear innocent and on Hashem's side. But regular virus, you do what you do, and as long as Hashem knows that your heart is with Him, who cares what people think? So therefore, it's not such a good pasuk. And the pasuk in Mishlei, simply speaking, it seems to be about someone who learns Torah. He will find favor and good intellect in the eyes of Hashem and man. Nothing to do with that. You must find favor and appear good in the eyes of man. On the, on the surface reading of that, all it's saying is that if you learn Torah, you'll get these brachas. 
So that's why it's the, clear, the clearest pasuk is this one, send the Kima Hashem Mishra. If you think about it, it's a phenomenal concept. It's not good enough to say, I'm going around my own business. Hashem knows that um, I'm innocent. Hashem knows that my intent is for good. Nevertheless, and who cares what people think? I mean, that's a, it's a logical and it's a reasonable line of thinking. Let me, like, I mean, there are many xayras that are what called maris ayin or chashad. can analyze what the subtle distance, uh, difference is. But you're not allowed to hang up wet clothes on Shabbos because people will think you did washing on Shabbos. A famous one, you can go into the technical details of this one. It's a lot to discuss on it. Can you order a salad at a non-kosher restaurant? No, going for a coffee at a business meeting in a non-kosher restaurant. Then it looks, what will people think? So you might say, well, who cares what people think? All that matters is that I'm doing what's right and then Hashem knows the truth and He knows. But we see from here it's not good enough. Your, your way of living must be clean in the eyes of Hashem and Yisrael and other Jews. Okay, let's carry on. Halacha um, Gimel. The Mishnah says, This was at the time that Truma was going to be done. I remember on the 1st of Nisan or two weeks before Shavuos or two weeks before um, Shavuos, they would do their draw, they would withdraw the money, the coins. So Raman Gamil, this I'm assuming was on the first of Nitz, and right before the person went, to, was going in to withdraw the Shkolim to buy the communal offerings, the family of Raman Gamil would go in, the shekel in his fingers, the he would throw it between the one who did this truma, and the Torah would then direct himself and push from there into the basket. Uh, he would get the coin that the, the family member of Rabban Gamliel just put in amongst other coins and make sure to get that in his basket that he would go buy the communal offerings from. And now we go on to a new point. We'll discuss this a drop more in the Gemara. He wouldn't start to withdraw the money until to separate the Shkolim until they until he said to them, "Can I withdraw etrom?" And they respond, with, um, "Separated, separated, separated three times." It seems in general, when you had to do a public act, and the base didn't want to show that you had the permission, you had their, uh, you were doing it under their instructions. They would repeat it three times. Torah He would do the first withdrawal. And then cover it with cloths. Hash, this is, remember, as I said, there were three, it's, it's confusing because there were three withdrawals and each withdrawal was with three baskets. But this is speaking about the actual separation. So on Rosh Kodesh Nisan, they would do the draw and then they would cover it with leather covers, all the coins in the chamber. Hashnia, then they would do the second withdrawal, with Bekatavlois. This was just before, uh, two weeks before Shuz, and cover it with uh, cloths, with these leather cloths. But for the third withdrawal, they wouldn't bother to cover it. The reason, as we'll see, that they used to cover it was that you have to remember that why do we do three, three separations of Shkolim? Because the coins come in at stages. They always start collecting the coins between Adar and Nisan. 
Now, if people who lived in Yerushalayim, okay, so their coins would go into the base Amigdash in Adar and they would be ready for the first drawing. But what about the people who lived further in Eretz Yisrael, further out? So their coins would only reach base Amigdash after Nisan and before Shavuos. So they would do a second drawing on Shavuos, a second Truma. And then from the people who were far out in uh, Johannesburg, Canada, Bavel, etc., they would do a third withdrawing, and, and those coins would reach, would then be done. Now, once you've done a drawing from the coins, we'll discuss exactly their status, but we try to treat them as, as Shirayim, leftover Shkolim. So therefore, the second, therefore you cover them, so that you don't withdraw from the same lot of coins that you've already withdrawn from. Why don't you just have different piles or something? Because you can't, might forget and get mixed up and take a truma from the wrong pile. They would withdraw from the first coins within mind for those in Eretz Yisrael. Or not with it. Say that these are for those who live in Eretz and the third for the cities that are nearby Eretz Israel. They would withdraw it for all the far away places. And Babel, Medes, and all other far away countries. Now, the commentaries point out. Remember, when they took the truma, it was on behalf of the whole of Bnei Israel. So but they didn't mean literally when I'm taking the shkolim I'm, on the first of Nisan, I'm doing it for the sake of the Jews in Eretz Israel and not other Jews. Chas v'shalom. The withdrawing was done on behalf of all of Jews, even the shkolim that were still on the way to the Beis Amikdash. The only thing is, they would do it in honor of those. This first drawing is in honor of those in Israel. Obviously, the coins for the communal offerings are on behalf of the whole of Israel, but it's in honor of those of Israel. And so, to the second one, it's not literally for those who live nearby Israel, it's for the whole of Israel in honor of those who live nearby, etc. Remember, the beginning of the Mishnah mentioned that the, what the family of Rabbi Gamliel used to do, they used to, just before he would take the Truma, they would go in and put their coin down, throw their coin onto the pile, so that he would take from their, from their, so he would take the Truma with their coin uh, swept into the first basket. Wait, what's going on? You telling me if you have two piles of grain and you take Truma from one on behalf of both of them, you're telling me there's even a slight suspicion that you haven't taken Truma on the other one. I, if his coin is in the pile of Shkolim, even if they take from the other side of the pile to where his Truma is, obviously it's as if the Truma of the Shkolim is taken from his coin as well. So what were the family of Rabbi Gamil trying to do? So the Gemara answers, no. It, was, uh, it felt good to them. Yehei korban mi korban Miskarev Elomishelohem Tchila, that their coins were amongst the first coins that the Korban would be offered from. I, the commentaries explain, it's a, the, the Tiklin Chadatin explain, it's an aspect of Jesus, an enthusiasm for mitzvahs. It's not good enough that my coin is included in the mitzvah. 
I want my coin to be a primary part of the mitzvah. So that's what it was. It's a good quality, a good mid of their enthusiasm to inv- be involved in the mitzvah. Tony, Shamaites Hakatovlos Nasukulan Shirayim. If one of the coins, one of the mats got pulled out, they would view all the coins as Shirayim. Remember, so what happened? They did the first draw, Truma, and then they covered all the coins in the Lishka with a, mat, a leather mat, a leather cloth. And then they would start as new Shkolimarav, they would put it on top of that. What happens if that mat actually got, got accidentally got pulled out? Now all the coins are mixed together, the new ones and the old ones, so they would treat it as Shirayim, as leftovers. All the coins. The third withdrawal was actually the most wealthy one, the most valuable one, because they were all golden historiote and golden drachonos included in it. Because remember we learned the faraway places would change the shkolim into gold coins because they were easier to transport one gold coin than uh, eight or however many silver coins. So that's why they would exchange it. So this last one, when he would fill up these baskets with coins, a lot of it would be gold coins, so it was actually much more valuable. They would take the trum of the first one for the in honor of those of Eretz Yisrael, but on the behalf of the whole of B'nai Yisrael. Yisrael. The third one, the second one, was on behalf of the nearby villages, well, in honor of the nearby villages, but in obviously on behalf of all of Israel and Shlishish, the Shem Babel, or Madai, or the Shem Dinos Harachokos, or the Shem Kol Yisrael. And the third one was done on behalf or in honor of those in Babel, Madai, and all far lands, but on behalf of all of Bene Israel. Okay. Now we're going regarding the three boxes. Remember, each truma, so we've discussed three times they would do the truma. But each time they did the truma, the Mishnah said they would do it into three boxes. Three baskets. So Tony If you so they would then take some of the coins every few days or weeks and go buy more communal offerings. So they would take from the first basket. And even though there were some left in the first basket, then they would start taking from the second basket. They would then take from the second one. And even once they started to take from the second one and there were coins left in the second basket, they would start taking from the third one. Why is that? Because you wanted to make sure to buy some of the communal offerings from each of the three baskets. So they would try, I guess, estimate, but make sure they wouldn't finish one basket and then move on to the next basket. They would take a bit from the one basket and buy korbanos, um, communal offerings. After a while, they'd move on to the second one, even though there were still coins left in the third basket. If... What happens if they, so they took some, some coins from the first basket and bought communal offerings. Then they moved on to the second basket and bought communal offerings. And then they moved on to the third basket and bought communal offerings. And then they finished all the, all the money in the third basket and they still needed to buy more communal offerings. So they'd move back to the second basket. If they finished all those in the second basket, they'd move back to the first basket. And if they finished all of those in the first basket, I, for whatever reason, maybe the currency uh, dropped or the price of animals became very expensive. 
So then they would have to, they ended up spending all their money, they would go back to the chamber. Um, so, sorry, they would have to separate from the new shekels. Beshoikel, take new shekels. Because you can't remember what, once you've already done the truma from the shkolim in the chamber, those are, are those are considered shirayim, they're not considered shekels anymore. Um, either shekels for the communal offerings, so that's why you'd have to take from the new shekels. Rabbi Meir, Oimer, Choyzele Shiraim, Shehoyo Rabbi Meir, Oimer, Moelim Shiraim, Shehem Yitzchuchu Lohen, Shema Yitzchuchu Lohen Besoif. He, Rabbi Meir, says, no, you can withdraw from them because you might need them in the end. Um, so, so Rabbi Meir holds that they always remain shekels even if you've taken some of the shekels. But that's a machlokes tenon. Okay, now we move on to a very, it's a well-known b'risa. Um I'll read the b'risa and then we'll discuss it and discuss why um, it's over here. It says, hoyo Rabbi Pinchas ben So to Rabbi Pinchas ben would say, Jesus may viedli deine Enthusiasm to do mitzvahs brings to cleanliness. Nekius may viedli dey Cleanliness brings to Tahar, purity, tahar mevilidei kedusha, purity brings to holiness. Kedusha mevilidei anova, holiness brings to humility. Anova mevilidei yiraschait, humility brings to fear of sin. Yiraschait mevilidei chasidus, fear of sin brings to piety. Chasidus mevilidei ruach hakodesh, which brings to ruach hakodesh, divine inspiration. Uh, Hashem Shechina resting on you, Ruach HaKodesh Mevei Lidei, Tchiyas HaMesim, which brings to Tchiyas HaMesim, Tchiyas HaMesim Mevei Lidei Eliyahu Zuchalotov. And that level of ready to resurrect the dead brings to Eliyahu Novi. And now the, the Gomorrah, just to the end of the, is going to bring all cooking for that. But just quickly, um, this is the famous Rabbi Pinchas Ben. Why is it here? Why all of a sudden are we discussing the path of spiritual growth? Start with Zrizus, start with making yourself do mitzvahs and work on doing mitzvahs with enthusiasm, and then you get reach cleanliness, etc. Why are we? Why is it over here? So interestingly, the one answer given there, were, there are a few, but the easiest I think is one is we discussed in the mission of Yisem Nakim: be clean in the eyes of Bnei Israel. I be sin free in the eyes of Bnei Israel. So we discussed one midah, and then we discussed. Base Rabban Gamliel, the family of Rabban Gamliel had this midah of Zrizos. They were enthusiastic that their coin should go to the first time that the communal offerings were bought. So another middle. So once we're discussing a few different good middles, we take this opportunity to mention the price of Rabbi Pinchas Ben which is the path to of spiritual growth. This brisa is found a few places. The famous one that we're more familiar with is in Masechus Avodah And there are slight differences. There are a few differences. Not going to analyze the differences now. We'll just analyze this, Brysa. But there's the, I don't know if you've heard of the famous, famous Sefer, Mesilas Yesharim, Past of the Just, by Rav Moshe Chaim Lazato. He wrote what is almost the standard guide of spiritual growth and perfection. It's one of the most classic Musar Sefer. Um, and it starts with the beginning that you've got to learn Torah, which brings to Zrizus, to doing mitzvahs with enthusiasm. Okay, so that's the say. So this is the brisa that it's based on. I think he uses the one in Avodah which is a slightly different order. You can analyze whether there are significant differences in the order, 
But that's the thing. And then Zrizos to Zahiros, to being careful from Avaris, etc., which brings to Nikhil's. So let's just quickly analyze some of these because it's interesting. Um, Zrizos enthusiasm. What's, so we said Zrizos' enthusiasm to do mitzvahs brings to cleanliness from sin. If you're so caught up, if you're enthusiastic to do mitzvahs, your time is going to, your spare time is going to be spent doing mitzvahs. You're not going to have time to do avaris and you'll be clean. Again, there are many different ways of learning what it means, Kedush and Kedusha and Anova, all these things. But I'm just going to go with one explanation on each of them, maybe two, so that we can just have an idea of what it could be. Um, someone to say it means literally, if you're hygienic, if you're clean, respectable, that... Uh, that itself has a positive influence on you. Okay, but that's an akios. An akios would be clean from sin, which brings to purity. When you start to be clean from sin, then you start working on regretting your past unveilers and doing tshuva, and then you become pure, which brings you to kedusha, which seems to be kedusha in this context could be abstinence I, uh, or a purity of mind. Now you've worked on your physical, you've got your physical existence in line. Are you doing mitzvahs? You're not doing Averis. You've done tshuva, but your mind might still fantasize about doing Averis. So there you do Kedush, that's Kedush. But the next step is it will lead you to Hara, doing, regretting your, and doing tshuva will lead to purifying your mind or to Kedusha, which is cleanliness of mind, purity of mind, which leads to humility. When your mind starts to become clean and pure, then you realize um, your role in the world and how you're part of the bigger picture and the severity of Avera, and you become humble. And humility brings to Yiras Chait. Yiras Chait means fear of Avera. It doesn't mean fear of punishment. The the Mesila Shishorim points out very clearly, I'd love to discuss this at length, but we don't have time. But the Mesila Shishorim points out that um, this Yiras Chait is being so in awe of Hashem that you don't want to do Averis. I Not that you're afraid that Hashem's going to strike you with a lightning bolt or give you a clap. It's, it's being so in awe of Hashem that you don't want to do it, which brings you to the next level, Chassidus. Chassidus is, wow, you want to serve Hashem, not just what's written in the Torah. I want to do much more. I want to do as much as possible. I want to go beyond the letter of the law in service of Hashem, which will bring to Rocha Kodesh that devotion to serving Hashem. That brings uh, spiritual. That brings the ruach Hashem's shchina to rest on you, which will bring you to the ability to do tchias hamesim. And tchias hamesim is is connected to Eliyahu Novi. He will be the forebringer, the the one who brings the tidings of the future events, and therefore, um, and that's where um, and that's where Eliyahu Novi will come in. Now we're going to just bring a for each of these levels. So Jesus maybe with speed he will bring kapor and Nikios maybe the The coin will bring atonement, eye cleanliness, and which will and purity. Tahara maybe Kadusha he will become Tahar and then Kadosh. Kadusha maybe the exalted one who dwells forever, etc. Says I will be found with the broken and the lowly of spirit. So that's um, um Kadusha brings to um, this level of of, of Anova. 
Um, what follows humility is fear of Hashem. Those who fear Him will then come to Chasidus. Chasidus may be Ruach you will appear in a vision. I Ruach Hakodesh to those who are kind to Ruach Hakodesh may be Lidaitchiasamesim I will place my spirit amongst you and you will live. I um Hashem's Ruach Shchina brings to laugh. If before this great and wondrous day. Says now one last point of the Perek. Says Tana B'Shem Rabbi Meir. We learned in the Brisa in the name of Rabbi El. Call Misha Kavua Be'Eretz Yisrael. Anyone who fixes himself his dwelling lives fixed in Eretz Yisrael. Umadabe Beloshan Akoyed speaks Hebrew. Ve'Oichel Peirosov Betara and eats his produce while Tahor. Ve'Koyed Kriyshma Ve'Boiker Ve'Erev and reads Kriyshma in the morning and the evening. Yehem Avusar Sheben Olam Haba. Who it will be announced about him that he deserves that he merits Olam Haba. The Tiklin Chatotin explains what are these four things. He says they each correspond to the four levels of a person. The lowest level of a person is his goof, his body, if he, which is represented by we know in his creation the earth. If he lives in Eretz Yisrael then he improves his physical being because he's living in a holy land amongst the offer, the, the land which is holy. The next level of a person is his ruach. That's his ability to speak. As Unkelo says, when it says in the Apostle, Hashem blew a spirit, a ruach, into a person, that was his ability to speak. Now the way he speaks, if he uses Lashon HaKodesh, the holy language, that purifies that aspect of his um, of his uh, being. His nefesh is his life force. Now nefesh refers to life force, but it's basically the same as animals. The drive to eat, etc. So how does he purify that? He makes sure to eat Batahara, to eat correctly. And the Shama, that refers to his lofty human Shama, that is, uh, I guess you could call us Bach from Hashem, godly um, Godly intellect is godly soul. So what is that? That intellect connects to Torah. And that's what's represented by saying Kriyashma in the morning and the evening corresponds to learning day and night. So those four aspects represent improving the four aspects or growing and developing his four aspects of a person, the Guf, Ruach, Nefesh and Neshama. And yeah, may we all merit to purify ourselves in that way. Hadron Lok Perik Bashlosha Prokim, Hadron Lok Perik Bashlosha Prokim, Hadron Lok Perik Bashlosha Prokim.